Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Brown and Black. My name is Jack Rico. And I'm Mike Sargent. And every week we take a look at race and pop culture through a brown and black lens. This week, we're excited to revisit a special Halloween episode that we recorded back in 2020 and these are our top latin and black horror picks you chose three black ones i chose three latin ones and they are so good that i still think mike they stand the test of time they absolutely stand the test of time and listening back to that episode it's interesting because we did a second episode the following year and we said it was a tradition now and then we skipped last year. So we, we have to bring back the tradition. And this year, what I would like to do is I could tell you the best black horror movie I saw this year. Because what's interesting in our conversation is we were talking about something that was, you know, it was beginning. And there's some great things you said in there about Guillermo del, del Toro, potentially. Mm-hmm. Like what kind of films would he make if he hooked up with Jordan Peele? And what's interesting to me now is that a, whatever they would have come up with would have been better than Nope. Okay. You didn't like Nope, huh? Nope. Nope. I, I liked it. I I liked it. You know, Keith David and a horse. uh, Listen, I love Keith David. (laughs) Uh, I I like some of the ideas in there, but it seemed unfinished. I think us was a, a, a bit of a letdown after get out. Okay. Because you know, all right. Just that post, film you know your second film if you do a great film it's like the is like m night Shyamalan. you know his next film was okay couldn't compare to the sixth sense i felt like nope nah nope 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 but here's what's interesting one of the things we talked about is how we grew up watching white horror essentially and you know so we have kind of this lens of horror this these views of horror and we wanted to see what people like Jordan Peele and Guillermo del Toro could do once they had the opportunity. And Guillermo del Toro has produced one of the films you talked about as one of the the best films. But now what we have to look forward to is Guillermo del Toro's Frankenstein. Anything that Guillermo del Toro brings to the screen has that sensibility, right? But when you look at the new Latin directors creating horror, they're usually international. And so where is the U.S. Hispanic horror director? Who's the Jordan Peele that was born in New York or L.A.? 
And we need more of those. I feel like it's so difficult. I remember doing the episode and going, damn, dude, it's like we got to go all the way to Uruguay. You know, we got to go to Mech. We, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Chile, you know, it's like early, why early 21st century, something? right? I know. And so it's one of the things that I lament now in 2023. We still don't have U.S. Hispanic directors banging out horror classics. I think that has now become a black culture thing. I mean, yesterday in preparing for this episode, you told me about a specific black horror movie that. Dude, the way you described it to me, I went from it being like somewhere in my list to the top of the list to watch this Halloween. All right. Two things about what you just mentioned, just to close it out on Guillermo del Toro. I do think it's interesting for him to cast Oscar Isaac as the monster. I think that's very interesting. I really want to see what he's going to do with that. Second thing is, yeah, the film that I am so excited about is... They clone Tyrone. Everything okay in there, baby? I'm just an average man with an average life. Where the money at? I'm an entrepreneur. I work in the spirit of the pimp game. You know your girl gotta know what's going on in these streets. That's the car right there. Slick, come on. That make your spider senses tingle. What kind of shit is this? Like I'm in the twilight zone. Don't let the back door hit you. Uh, we gotta, we gotta go. I don't know what that was, but that wasn't me. Somebody is conducting experiments on us. about it nobody will chill just fucking chill okay wait gotta travel on negativity go give me some goddamn wet that sunless corner you keep your pimp hand raised and be willing to protect the ones you love by any means necessary. I ain't scared. I'm a dope boy, remember? Excuse me, kind sir, but if you could pull me to the elevator that leads down to the Peaky Laboratory, let the back door in. I'll be out your atmosphere. Let's get man. We're on the scene trying to figure out what has happened. I need this shit. Fuck no, they out here cloning this. What the fuck? That's right. That is the prevailing theory. They Clone Tyrone is written and or co-written and directed by Jewel Taylor. And it stars John Boyega, Jamie Foxx, Tiona Paris, Kiefer Sutherland, David Allen Greer. All these people showed up in there. And the premise is, I don't want to tell you too much, but the premise is there is a series of eerie events in this neighborhood. 
and let's just say an unlikely trio. I don't even want to tell you too much because there's so many aspects of it. As you're watching, damn, dude, you're not even telling me the premise. No, I don't. All the premise is that this weird shit happening in the neighborhood. There's weird shit happening in the hood, and these uh, a pimp, uh, a hoe, and a drug dealer are going to be the ones to figure it out. And when I tell you that, you're like, come on, is this a black exploitation film? It's not. I was just going to say, is this like exactly. the stereotype cliches of black saying. people again? Yeah. And I'm supposed to be excited about this? Like, see, that's the thing. That's what's so subversive about it. Because there's a point where you sit there and you realize you're and you're good, you know, at least 30 minutes in or half in. And you're like, you know what? This movie is about a pimp. A, a whore or a prostitute and a drug dealer and i'm with it you're so with it and you're loving wow. it and you get what they're talking about you know and just as a as the only thing i will say thematically i was reading an article about you know had a conversation with somebody about soda and what is the worst soda and, and sodas are really bad for you and there's all kinds of stuff and soda, dark sodas that are really rich but then I, as i'm doing research i saw what the worst possible soda what do you think the worst soda is the absolute, what is rated as the worst soda there is. Dr. Pepper. No, good guess. No. Okay. Now, I'm, when I tell you, here's the thing about it, and this is where it really ties into they clone Tyrone. When I tell you this soda, you will find in every brown and black neighborhood. And as a matter of fact, it's like the default soda. If you don't tell them what kind of soda to deliver with your Chinese food or your West Indian food or your Spanish food or your anything, this is the default soda. Orange Crush. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. I'll be yeah. looking for it in the movie. Anyway, the point I'm making is that when you, if you think about the, the idea that the worst soda possible is pumped into all the, the brown and black and the poor neighborhoods, is that a conspiracy or is it just that like we have really bad taste? Okay. And so, <laughs> okay. you know, and I'll just throw that out there. And that really ties into everything that they clone Tyrone is about. I, I don't want to give it away, but it's a horror movie, but it's everything we talked about how a horror movie or our genre film can really be making social commentary. I thought it was not good, but excellent. So join us on this special throwback horror episode as we revisit some of the classic Latin and black horror films. Listen now, if you dare. I remember growing up watching horror films and being completely devastated after I saw a horror film. First horror film that I ever saw, Mike, I still remember. I was living with my mom. My mom was a single mom. My dad had left me when I was around two. And I remember it was like a misty, rainy night, and it was nighttime. And on the TV was a movie called The Exorcist from 1973, I believe. Somewhere between science and superstition, there is another world. The world of darkness. Wow, you were watching The Exorcist at home? Yeah, by, Wow. I must have been around eight years old. What? Your parents let you watch The Exorcist at eight yeah. years old? Yeah, yeah. That's child abuse. Yes, it is child <laughs> abuse, man. It was like the early 1980s, and I remember watching it, and then 
like sitting up against the wall in a fetal position. (laughs) Just my eyes barely overlooking my arms, watching the show and going, (laughs) I could not sleep without thinking that as soon as the lights were turned off, the devil would come and elevate me and float me through the air and I would vomit on people's faces. And this is the power of movies. Fear is one of the core emotional elements that we have. We've been telling horror stories since the beginning of language, since the beginning of communication. And fear is very powerful. Fear can motivate you to do something. Fear can make you do many things. And, you know, I think that's one of the crucial, I guess, important reasons that horror movies, fear movies exist. Well... Interesting what you're saying, uh, I, because I, I completely believe, you know, we in life, we are motivated either by fear or desire. So depending on what is stronger to you, that's what's going to motivate you. So I think it is definitely primal. I think it's part of what we do. I think it's part of, you know, bias. It's a part of, you know, uh, we're afraid of what we don't understand. I think that that's part of why we have all the divisiveness we do in the world and in the country. I'm one of those people who I was never a big horror fan. But I've always had friends who were super horror fans. So I know so much about horror movies that, like, I know much more than I want to know. I could I could hold my own with any horror fanatic. So you went through a horror phase. Was this, you know, when no. you were a teenager or no? No, I did not go through a horror phase. No, I, just, I did. That no. all I watched was horror movies. No, not at all, okay? I just have had a lot of friends who were totally into horror and would make me sit through these movies. So I've just seen a lot. I've come to the conclusion, I think part of the reason people love horror movies is that it reminds us that we're alive. I think that, you know, it's been talked about that horror movies, you know, you see somebody in danger, you know, it's not you. Okay. But you can get scared. You can be like, jump. You can scare as if that scary thing was happening to you. But then when the lights come on, it's over. You you did not, you know, your family did not turn into zombies. You are not possessed. You're not spitting up vomit. All of that is is just make-believe. And I think, you know, people love to go to the movies to escape. And there's nothing more escapist than the distraction, I think, of being scared. True. And it reminds me, you know, historically, we've... Hollywood's been making horror movies in English, obviously, for, for since the inception of film. But... What was the first Spanish language horror movie done by Hollywood? And that's a 1931 Dracula movie. You know, when you listen to it now, a lot of people thought it was lost and they like rediscovered it in the 1970s and restored it. And now people are saying that it's the Spanish version of Dracula is actually better than the Bela Lugosi 1931 uh, Dracula version as well. Unfortunately, there haven't really been many Latinx actors doing horror movies or Latinx horror movies that are within that span. I mean, I can recall La Llorona. If you will come for them. Who? La Llorona. The Paranormal Activity one uh, with the Latino cast. The lady who got killed, she lives right under me. I had an idea. Let's go check downstairs. What the hell's happening to me? 
But those films really never went anywhere. They never went into the lexicon of pop culture. And, you know, we still have a lot of resistance um, for the mythology of Latin American culture horror. And, and hopefully that will change now in 2021 that we're having now new executives that might appreciate those. And, and I think the big one for me, Mike, was when I saw Get Out. Now that I really come to think about it, the first real black horror movie wasn't Get Out. It was actually... say that i thought of mentioning michael jackson's thriller when you first saw that mike what do you think well first of all you got to understand again at the time i had a lot of friends who were into horror so i knew everything behind it i knew that it was john landis who had done american werewolf in london which i loved i knew he'd also brought in rick baker who did the effects who brought in also vincent price who brought in Vincent Price to do the thing. So again, these are, it was iconic. American Werewolf in London was the first, in my opinion, successful horror comedy. It was scary and it was funny. It had genuine laughs and genuine scares. John Landis at that time could do no wrong. He had done uh, trading places. And so he was known to, to not only know horror and know comedy, but work with black folks. So at the time, uh, Thriller was great. It was it was groundbreaking because of all of the things that were, you know, in it. Not to mention, you know, the beautiful uh, Ola Ray. Not to mention Ola Ray, who you know I had a total crush on at the time. And black horror, for the most part, had either been things like Blackula or or Blackenstein. This was or, like in the eighties, right? No, that's like the seventies. But I mean, oh, they were. Okay. You, but you you could get them in the 80s on video that's probably what i did i probably walked into like some sort of you know uh like like sue's you know video (laughs) stock you know on 82nd and jackson heights or something like that and you might i might have seen like the black yellow one well well, believe me there there was a lot of black exploitation horror movies in the 70s i never saw any of them i was way too young to see but I, i i always kind of resented them I resented them because they were exploitive. So black horror was never something that I really took. And the other thing, black horror, when they started doing things like Tales from the Hood and and uh, Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight, uh, they were always black <clears throat> horror were more comedy than horror. So I didn't have a lot of respect for black horror. But as I got older and became a film critic and started seeing you know, that there is a deep, rich history. I mean, let's face it, both Latino and black culture has a lot of mysticism and spiritualism and things that are linked to uh, uh, our past, to uh, acknowledging the ancestors, ghosts, you know. There's a lot in our cultures that have been, in my opinion, aped by white horror films, voodoo and and witch doctors and and all these tropes that you'll see in in horror films. But for me, I, I think, you know, you mentioned seeing The Exorcist. I think that that's like you were scarred for life. But I, I my first experience being at home, watching a movie, not realizing I was going to be scared is I almost don't want to mention it's so mild compared to The Exorcist, but I saw a film called Trilogy of Terror. Mother, you should see what I'm getting for his birthday. It's a, a genuine Zuni fetish doll. It's really interesting. There's supposed to be some Zuni hunter's spirit inside of it. And um, there's a golden chain wrapped around it to keep the spirit from making the doll come to life. <laughs> 
Trilogy of Terror was uh, a series of, uh, it was a made-for-TV anthology. It was directed by Dan Curtis, who did uh, Dark Shadows. And it had Karen Black, who was a, mm. a well-known actress at the time. And she plays three different characters in three different stories. They're all written by Richard Matheson, who is, he wrote, you know, the last man on earth which they made into the omega man and and i am legend but scared the hell out of me okay because the the doll eventually possesses her and she looks like the doll like you just put in trilogy of terror and you're gonna see karen black with like all these sharp pointy teeth looking like this little voodoo man doll that it's probably silly to look at today but then as a child when i saw this movie Forget about it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We all grew up with white horror movies. Completely. And, you know, as a brown kid and as a black kid watching white horror movies, you never really thought too much of it. It's more like, yeah, it's a horror film, but it's not until you become older and more aware of your society and the institutional uh, racism, uh, the denying of our voices to be able to tell those stories, too, that, you know, you've... Like this show has given me this idea now that we're talking about this. There should be a brown and black horror movie that brings together both of our culture's uh, myths of horror, brujeria, you know, like what would a Jordan Peele do with brujeria? You know, what would Guillermo del Toro do with Jordan Peele to create social commentary about racism uh, in America, or racism in Mexico, you know. Imagine Del Toro and Peel coming together to create something. I think that, to me, is where we're eventually going to go, but I think it's up to us critics to demand it because I think these guys are so caught up in their own stories and their own stuff that they want to tell that we forget that sometimes the fans want to see collaborations at that level because of the rich history that you were uh, referring to between both of our cultures. But you see, that's the thing. And and on our last episode, we spoke to Lou Gossett Jr. You know, having a multicultural approach to storytelling just overall allows uh, like a richness, like you mentioned, that 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 that's what stories should be. We should all we all have something to say about being human because we all have different. You know, I, I, I did an interview recently with uh, Mario Van Peebles, and he said something very interesting. He said, you know, penguins in the North Pole act just like penguins on the South Pole. Uh, but, you know, what human beings are still human beings. But each culture has these different things. This is, it's this is classy here. Yeah, it's that's what exactly. separates us from the animals is the ability to create our own identity and have the freedom to express that identity. A, a, Bingo. So the freedom to express our cultural identity through the lens of horror is a powerful thing, especially because people go to the movies, like we talked about, to escape. So that means they don't necessarily want to be hit over the head, but if you can make them walk out seeing something like Get Out did, feeling something, recognizing something about what is going on with humans then you've done, you've done, you fulfilled the purpose of art, in my opinion. So let's get right into it. Here's my number three horror movie, Latin X. La Casa Muda. Pasa por acá. Esto está peor de lo que pensaba. Hay madera floja, es peligroso. Le voy a pedir que no suba. 
Directed by Gustavo Hernandez, based on actual events that took place in Uruguay in the 1940s, uh, this is a very disturbing, suffocating, groundbreaking to say the least, and even got a remake in Hollywood, which I'll talk about later. The premise is about a father and a daughter that are hired to renovate an old rural home, but when he leaves to investigate strange noises coming from the second floor... She's left to scrap her way out of the darkness using only a flashlight to then encounter something that will change her life forever. Mike, to me, this gem uh, costs only about $6,000 to make, so low budget, and that's the best type of horror movie when it's like low budget, man. It's gained a lot of notoriety around the world for being the first horror movie shot in one continuous take. That's like what most you know, critics know it for. And Hollywood then took a stab at remaking it, and you might actually remember just watching the movie. It was called The Silent House with Elizabeth Olsen in 2011. On Friday, March 9th, at 7.20 p.m., one of the most shocking and twisted incidents ever recorded befell Sarah Murphy and her father. Their ordeal lasted 88 minutes. Witness these true events in real time. I recommend it very highly. This is one of those films that you don't want to go into a house alone ever again. My third film, and and I want to preface this and say that I found this actually harder than I thought it would be for me to pick three horror films, three black horror films, because like I said, I'm not a big horror fan, and there aren't a whole lot of black horror films that I think are that good. The film I'm going to pick is actually a new film. It's called Bad Hair. Hi. You're not tender-headed, are you? I'll be fine. Clients wear the stuff is magic. You know, in some parts of India, a woman's hair is her most prized possession. You can't bear to see yourself the way nature would have you. And you scoff at us our superstitions well those superstitions are in fact tributaries leading to rivers of truth about what you really are and who you might have been i i really really enjoyed bad hair the premise of bad hair is about a young woman played by Elle lorraine who works at a record company in the 90s uh, the late 80s early 90s which is a great time in la just as hip-hop is about to change the rap game and the music game and 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 it's about to to happen and she has natural hair she's part african she's just got she's had some hair trauma And so she's never relaxed her hair. But when a new boss comes in to take over this music station that she works at, uh, played by Vanessa Williams, uh, it pretty much becomes obvious she's going to have to straighten her hair or get extensions, which were just coming in at the time, get a weave to really kind of fit in and become, as Vanessa Williams says, one of her girls. And she does, but she ends up getting referred to this shop And when she has the hair put in, the hair is not quite hair. The hair has a mind of its own. And it is so much fun. It's scary. It's good. It's so much social commentary. Because one of the things that Justin Simeon does, uh, like a Jordan Peele or like any great 
writer, I think, is not only does he give social commentary, but he really gives a history of horror, of, of you know, folklore. You know, there's, there's, I don't want to give away too much of the movie, but there's a character played uh, in the movie, uh, uh, Elle Lorraine, who plays Anna. Her dad in this is played by Blair Underwood, and he plays a professor who is an expert on all of this kind of African-American folklore. And so the things he says, every line in there is clearly something for us to pay attention to. And it sets us up for what's going to happen. And there's so many great funny moments and scary moments. I believe that this will be an instant classic. My number two Hispanic horror film, uh, this one comes out of Spain. Uh, it's called Wreck. And in order to have any credibility when speaking of found footage films, you have to include Wreck. Muy buenas noches, les habla Ángela Vidal. Hoy vamos a acompañar a una patrulla de bomberos en su recorrido nocturno poniendo algún problema. The premise is about a television reporter and a cameraman that follow emergency workers into a dark apartment building in Barcelona and are quickly locked inside with something terrifying. The, the scares, they use the classic approach, the tropes that work perfectly with this new sort of genre approach to creating horror movies uh, that honestly was more like, you could see the horror in the background, but never quite in your face. And I think the revelations of those faces towards the end really kind of set you up to want to continue watching these types of films. And I think Wreck um, is one of the best horror movies in my mind, one of the best 100 horror films made globally uh, in that horror history film. So if you can get a chance to watch it, it's called Wreck. Well, the next film I'm going to name is a film that people may or may not know. It's a film called Ganja and Hess. The only perversions that can be comfortably condemned are the perversions of others. I will persist and survive without God's or society's sanction. I will not be tortured. I will not be punished. I will not be guilty. blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for thee, preserve thy body and soul for everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for thee. And be thankful. Uh, Ganja and Hess was directed by Bill Gunn, and it was actually written by Bill Gunn as well. Bill Gunn was a playwright, uh, and this film is made in 1973. Uh, it starred Dwayne Jones. Now, Dwayne Jones, this is the only other film he really starred in. Dwayne Jones is the black actor who was in the original Night of the Living mm. Dead and with George Romero from 1968. And he plays in this film, uh, he plays Dr. Hess Green. That's why it's called Ganja and Hess. Uh, and he's, a, he's this black anthropologist who's doing research on these uh, ancient African nation of blood drinkers called the Murthians. But he has a, a kind of an unstable assistant who, without giving away too much of the story, ends up stabbing him with this Murthian ceremonial dagger. And then he kills himself. But uh, Dr. Hess survives, or Dr. Hess Green, Dr. Green survives, but he discovers that he has now turned into a vampire. Hmm. 
This came out the year after Blackula. And Blackula was a film that showed Hollywood, a black exploitation films were just starting in the early 70s, and it showed Hollywood, oh wow, black folks like to see these movies. So, Blackula. Blackula. Of course, Blackenstein and, and Abbey, and, and there's tons, Sugar Hill, there's tons of black horror films in the 70s, but Ganja and Hess was not black exploitation. It's actually a beautifully shot, meditation on so many different things. As a matter of fact, the year it came out, it was listed as one of the 10 best American films of mm. the decade at the Cannes, at the Cannes Film wow. Festival in 1973. Now, how many films can say that? So, uh, and at the time, it was really uh, uh, acclaimed. As a matter of fact, Spike Lee went on to remake it awfully, really badly. He remade it and called it uh, The Sweet Blood of Jesus. And... It's almost unwatchable. Oh, so go back. Yeah, it's really, it, it, it's it's really disappointing. But when you see Ganja and Hess, really, you've never seen a vampire film like this one. And my number one favorite Hispanic, Latinx, Latino horror film that I have ever seen, what I would call a masterpiece in horror filmmaking uh, for the Spanish language audience is a movie called El Orfanato from 2007. This one's produced by Guillermo del Toro, and it's directed by his protege, Juan Antonio Bayona, which is now directing Jurassic World. Um, the Orphanage won seven Goyas. This is the equivalent of the Oscars, and uh, it's completely in Spanish, and it tells the story of a mother who brings her terminally ill son to the orphanage where she grew up which she has now remodeled in hopes of one day providing a home for other orphans. So when her son mysteriously disappears, she embarks on a year-long search to find him. Imagine a mother who lost her son and hasn't been able to find him in a year. She kind of gives up, but some secrets are discovered that will change all of their lives forever. It's one of my favorite horror films. I, I had never seen a horror film with such dramatic depth, the relationship between mother and son and the loss of what that truly means, the horror of losing a child. And as a young man myself, you know, I'm not a father, so I don't know the depths of hell that a mother could feel after losing her son. And I think this movie uh, combines exquisitely that horror with the actual horror framework of horror filmmaking. It's heartbreaking, it's terrifying, and it also, and this is to me the big selling point, it has one of the best twists at the end of this movie in modern filmmaking. It's called El Orfanato, The Orphanage in English. One of my favorites, a classic to me that will last the test of time. A hundred percent agree with you. Excellent, excellent film. And the thing about uh, Guillermo is he always picks directors that have a unique, specific, and memorable vision because that film was haunting. 
That's what I remember. And and something else you mentioned, I think that is important, you know, the horror of losing a child, you know, those are personal horrors, horrors that have nothing to do with race, class, uh, or anything, but, but they're poignant. And who can't relate to that? Uh, so my number one, I'm sure it's on many people's list, but it's Get Out. Today now I'm black. Should they? You might wanna, you know. Mom and Dad, my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked, but he's a black man. <laughs> I ain't never seen you like this before, bro. Meet family, take a road trip. Don't come back all bougie, man. Come back, get your damn pants up to your damn stomach. <laughs> <laughs> Get out! Yo! Rose, we gotta go. Is everything okay? Rose, the keys. Just get the keys. I don't know where they are. Rose! Sink into the floor. Wait, 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 wait. Sink. But I'll tell you why I liked Get Out so much. First of all, like I said, Get Out reminds you of why horror films or how horror films really can be about a lot more than scares. But for me as a black man, from the opening of that movie, when the character is walking in a neighborhood he doesn't know, and he starts getting stalked by this white man in a car who gets out and starts talking to him, instantly I knew that horror. I have done, gone to Queens, gone to a neighborhood where the neighborhood was not, uh, I didn't know where I was going. It was at night. This is before cell phones. I'm, you know, whatever, late teens. And I hear, dude, I was like, okay, where's this freaking house? You know? And that's a real horror. Just the horror that someone might want to kill you, might want to do harm to you just they don't know you they don't know anything about you but because you are black you're going to be singled out and that's a very specific horror that's a very specific horror i think day-to-day living today as a black person i would not is as much when i was a young man i used to have this fantasy of driving cross country you know to california you know maybe me and a friend or me and a couple of friends Picture me and a couple of black guys or a couple of Latino guys going across country in a car today. I, I, that's a horror For movie. Alabama. Exactly, to <laughs> Alabama. So that, that's a horror movie. So there's so many things about Get Out that worked for me. Uh, the social commentary, the interracial relationship, the meeting the white parents, being around white people. Hey, bro. You know, I, all of those things, not knowing what's behind the smile of someone who acts like they like you, but you sense something's wrong, something's up, they don't really. And and I there are so many things about Get Out, it's been written and talked about enough, so I don't have to go on about it. But for me, it's it took the horror genre, took it to another level and reminded us of why horror is so effective and powerful.
And that's it for this special Halloween episode of Brown and Black. If you would like to support this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. Your help will allow us to be heard by many more people. You can follow our comments and opinions on at Brown Black Podcast on X, formerly known as Twitter, Instagram, Threads, and YouTube. We'll see you on the next episode of Brown and Black. Are you ready to turn your best ideas into a thriving online business? Introducing Shopify, your no-excuses business partner. You might not realize, but our podcast, More Than Mammies, it's a business. And we started it, of course, to talk about maternity, not to become an e-commerce expert. So yeah, we needed some help selling our merch and getting our store up and running. Another sale. Shopify is a commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. No matter if you are a garage entrepreneur or a big business, Shopify is the only tool you need to start and grow your business without the struggle. With Shopify single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere, giving you the insights you need wherever you are. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash sonoro or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash sonoro to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash sonoro. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.